This is a Bulldog Radio Podcast. MVSP Season 3, Episode 4, back in the studio this early Friday morning. It's only 10 a.m., but it feels like it's 8 a.m. regardless. But long week of classes under our belt now. Going into the weekend, Brandon, it's good to see it. It is. And one thing I will say that I saw on one of my social media feeds a couple days ago, and it really hit me hard, LOL, as you'll hear this. An 8 a.m. in high school hits way differently oh, yeah. than a college 8 a.m. I don't know Isn't how... Isn't it true? It's true. I don't know how in high school I wake up at 6.30 in the morning, get to, class, get to school at like 7, get out of class, and then play video game like homework and video games till like midnight, and then I want to get to sleep till like 1, and I just do that and for do it the all whole over weekend. Again. It's just crazy. That's something else. I just don't even... I don't understand how like that works, but I mean, we're getting older now. We're 20 years old, so... Yeah, you know what that means. We're getting, getting old. Up there. That's scary. Gotta start paying mortgages and stuff when we Blech. get college. Hate Adult to see stuff. it. Ah, Hate scary. Hate to see it. But yeah, regardless. But it's going to be a great show. We got a lot of great guests joining us. We have one of my fellow cross-country teammates, Casey Bowman, going to be hopping on as well Hey-o. as a new guest to talk some NFL with us. Austin Arquette will be joining us later on in the show. But without further ado, let's swing it on over to our interview. Now joining us in studio, one of my teammates, one of my best buddies, uh, Dan, I'm just kidding, Casey Bowman is here, what's happening Casey? Uh, nothing too much, how are you guys doing today? Doing yeah. fantastic, yeah. early but it's, it's going good, end of the week Friday but very excited, I know you two guys are excited, your first meet's going to be tomorrow, uh, it's going to be in Big Rapids, Khaki, I know Casey you're a Big Rapids native, are you pretty excited to just kind of have your family and maybe a couple more people show up, especially since it's going to be here? Yes sir, I've been looking forward to this race for a while, you know we didn't have a cross season last year, I just mean I'm really looking forward to just getting back out on a golf course, just racing my heart out, been training all summer, and I mean, obviously, the last year, too, just trying to get to the best point I can get to, and I'm glad I get to do it in Big Rapids, too, so can't wait to bring all that work just to Big Rapids. So Awesome. Yeah, it's going to be fun. I know one of the things that I'm definitely looking forward to tomorrow, I think that you just mentioned, Casey, just finally getting out again after a whole season off of cross-country, running on the grass for the first time in the last couple of weeks has been a little different. What are you overall expecting as far as this race coming up? I think it's definitely going to be, since I've only raced on a track for the past year and a half, I just mean, I think about running on the grass, you know, you have a different energy return, you're running in mud, your brain's kind of in a different spot, you have hills to go look up at, go down, and it's just so much more to take in on a cross course. Yeah, for sure. What's the cross going to be, or the cross, the course going to be looking like at Khaki? I know that Khaki's a pretty spread out golf course, so is it going to kind of go across the road at all, or is it going to be kind of more centralized? So it's pretty much entirely on just the, what would you call it, the north side of Khaki. Mm -hmm. It's, I'd say it's mostly flat, but uh, especially because of the rain last night, I think it's going to be a pretty wet course, which means you'll probably lose some grip, even in some spikes, Mm -hmm. so... Mm -hmm. And there is a little bit, uh, I'm not sure what hole it would be on, like maybe like hole five or six. Uh, there's there's some like rolling hills on it. And that's like, I think that's the most mentally challenging part of it because you're also not in any shade. So you're really forcing yourself over it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would agree with that. It's probably going to be a little wet. 
And um, yeah, I think it's going to be a really interesting time. And I know, like Casey, we've been working over the summer together a lot, especially with some of the other local guys. And just seeing all the improvement already with you has been really phenomenal. And I really want you to know that it's been it's been fun watching you grow already. What as far as your expectations coming up this season? I know you got some big goals that you're looking to put under your belt. One of my big goals is, especially like my freshman year, I made a lot of goals like just like adjust well and stuff like that. Now that I'm adjusted, it's just I want to be at like just the best I can be as a runner. I've spent the last, you know, seven years of my life running just as a sport. But it's like, you know, if I'm not going to take it seriously, what am I even doing? I mean, obviously I take it seriously. I'm here in college, but if I'm not going to keep training, keep working at it, where where am I going to go with it? Mm-hmm. So. Sure. Yeah, definitely. And speaking of training, I know last year I've seen you guys run around campus. You guys had to have the masks on, and I'm sure uh, you're probably oh, pretty excited now that, oh. uh, it's gonna, that they're going to be coming off for the race. Uh, what was that kind of like, um, just kind of having to put the mask on, run an excessive amount of miles with everybody, and just kind of struggling with that? In, in two words, it was it sucked. The, the, <laughs> the, the, the ba- basically, it was like you get two, three miles into it, and it was just you couldn't breathe your I just remember my chin getting like super sweaty just because all the sweat would just drip down and it didn't feel exactly hygienic. Yeah. So, you know, it just, I, I, I had a hard time like just convincing myself to even keep running my sophomore year just as I did not want to run mm-hmm. in that situation. So. Yeah, that's tough. Yeah. I think there was, it was definitely an experience and I can say the feeling of being two miles into a race with a mask on just running in general and the fact of you like trying to breathe and the moment that you suck in your own sweat really makes you realize man this is mm, absolutely disgusting awful salty so i went we went through a lot of masks that season it was <laughs> it was it was a really interesting it. time but uh i wanted to mention one thing with um casey obviously being from big rapids myself being from reed city and a lot of other guys pretty local i mean joe you're from tri-county too so hey, yo, you're, you're in the former csaa alum so but what does it feel like being able to be around some of these guys that um that we've run <laughs> we've run against our entire our entire careers leading <laughs> up to this being able to run um with each other as opposed to against each other um it makes it makes that competition feel still kind of just remain there in between the team you know uh especially with like uh me and dan harsty who's also a big rapids alumni you shout know? out to dan <laughs> shout out to dan <laughs> yep anyways like just like still having him on the team you know it's i always looked at him as just like one of my people i can just constantly run with stuff like that so kind of keeps that whole just like nostalgic homely feel yesterday on our run we went right past one of our paths i did every day in high school i said Man, if we slow this down by a minute, hit mile one here, that that would feel really nostalgic. Might mm-hmm. drop a tear. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of cool just to see all these guys who you know, like you didn't really know too much, but you knew in high school, and then now you've formed bonds, relationship. I can kind of understand. That. I had Brandon competing against me in basically every sport that we played, <laughs> pretty much. And then now look at us, we're except for cross country. I guess so. I don't run, so happens. But one thing I am kind of interested in knowing, I know a lot of runners, like, you don't want to eat too much before you run, and I don't want you to pull Michael Scott and down some fettuccine <laughs> Alfredo before every run. But Carbo what is, yeah, what's kind of the approach for kind of get, like getting those carbs and getting that energy the night before and the day of the race? So for me, it's, I kind of base it entirely off of dinner. That's why I usually, like today, if I had a small breakfast, I'm going to have a small lunch. I'm going to control my calories a little bit more just for today. And then at dinner, I'm going to have a very large dinner of mostly just like pasta with some tomato meat sauce, stuff yeah. like that. 
Um, when I wake up tomorrow, I'll probably be waking up around 6.30, 7 a.m. Just so I can make myself a two-egg omelet with ham and cheese. Pretty mm, much how I simple, go about it every simple. time. Okay. Get get some protein built up in you. So. But, yeah, uh, I'll just be getting tonight. I'm looking forward to that. <laughs> yeah, that's Italian. fair. I'm, I'm surprised. I, I've actually been surprised how many people um, eat eggs on race day. That's something I actually can't do. I've, I've tried it a couple times. And, like, obviously, like, if that's the only thing, like, if we're on the road, that that is something that I can adjust to. But, like, my go-to is definitely toast. So it's very interesting to see that perspective. So, But um, one thing, Casey, that um, – I know that you have aspirations of is um, making uh, as far as the travel squad this year and being a part of the the Louisville races and the conference races. What is what's your overall thought process of how am I going to get to this point over the course of the season? So I think that was a big goal of mine during summer. I've kind of just like kept at it with you know convincing myself I have to keep grinding. I just have to keep working just so I can kind of get this goal I want to be at and. You know, there's it's nice seeing the team even be at the spot we're at and how I think we're really shaping up. And if I don't end up traveling, I just know that means there's 10 people on our team that have worked just as hard or harder to be ahead of me. So I wouldn't be complaining if I'm not on the travel team, but I think I have worked really hard with that goal in mind. So. Mm-hmm. I can attest to that. If there if there are people that travel more than Casey and they put a lot of work in, because he is a hard worker. Mad respect. Uh, to kind of switch gears uh, for my last question, with kind of being the student athlete uh, and especially trying to make the travel squad, what's that kind of been like now going into the season, balancing the new start of the school year, your schoolwork, trying to kind of stay up on top of it, and just making sure that you don't fall behind. Um, when it comes to school, I just make a conscious effort. Just like it always comes first, no matter what. And, you know, if I don't make college about running as much as it seems like I do, but there is a drawing line of like, all right, today I can't do this because I have a homework assignment due at midnight. I can't go and I can't go to the gym tonight and lift or something like that. Like, I do make some limitations to what I have to do versus like school like I do visit office hours that really helps me out um I do some like just like personal just studying from like just like reading a book about it yeah like Mm -hmm. I'm in engineering you know there's a lot of different like ways you can like just research it so I mean I watch the fact that casually watch videos about cars being made you know you're pulling the the middle-aged dad (laughs) that's watching how it's made and stuff like it at this point (laughs) man that's really cool though hey at least you're actually like having something instructional and concrete that you're taking from it, not just watching, like, TikToks all day, you know? No offense to the people that do, but, you know, I think that just shows how intelligent you are. Yeah. But um, final question for you, Casey. We love to ask this question to all the athletes we bring on the show. What is your favorite thing about being a Ferris State Bulldog? Mm, That's a good question. Um, I'd say the environment. Uh, I love just, like, that Ferris as much as, like, there, there is points where you don't see it, especially on the team, but I know everyone at Ferris really does care about every single sports team on our, at our, in our community, in our school. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes you don't see it. Sometimes you're like, I'm on cross country. No one really cares. But 
you know, I mean, you see people every once in a while that are just like, hey, good job running, stuff like that. Or someone will say, hey, good luck at your meet this Saturday. Like, you know, you're still in the news. You're still getting some at least recognition for what you're working on. Mm-hmm. And I think everyone can respect that running is not an easy sport. And it's definitely not the easiest thing to just convince yourself to do. And yeah. I think there's a lot of respect out there for running. Yeah, for so. sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So thank you so much, Casey, for coming on. We really hope, I mean, for Brandon, too, hope you guys do well in your race tomorrow. Well, I know it's you. a long time coming. I'm excited to see it. I won't see it personally. I have a Gus Macker that I'm playing in, which kind of sucks. But nonetheless, it's not a flex. Not, hey. <laughs> I'm just messing. I can kick you off the show right now. Just Whoa. kidding. Oh, no, just, just, just kidding. Just kidding. Thank you so much, Casey. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, we wish you luck for doing your race tomorrow. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. Special thanks to Casey for coming on the show. We know we appreciate it. And make sure you can check out the Bulldog Invite coming up Saturday, September 11th. 10 a.m. is the men. 9.30 a.m. is the women. We appreciate your support because, you know, watching a race is actually pretty fun, regardless on people's views of running. It is. I've been to a couple. It's pretty intense at the end, especially when you got people that are neck and neck. It's pretty cool. Pretty cool atmosphere to go to. Yeah, but from one special guest to another now joining us, Austin Arquette, sports reporter for the Ferris State Torches here. How are you, my friend? I'm good. I'm good. I mean, I can't lie. It's Friday. I'm ready to get out of here and go camping. Friday. Um, Facts. Not going to lie. <laughs> yeah. Where are you going camping? Um, Some little campground out on the other side of El Toyo with the girlfriend's family. Um, Very nice. They want to go golfing and throw bags and play cards, so... Sounds fun. Sounds like, Sounds like a that's camping what we're doing experience. this weekend. Nice. Sounds like a good camping experience. Oh, yeah. We yeah. went last week, and we didn't stay, though, because um, we had other stuff to do on Sunday. So we're, we're going down tomorrow because I got – we were good going down tonight, but I got a bowl tonight. So we're going down there tomorrow morning. Gotcha. Good guy. luck with your bowling. I know that you are – Highly invested into that sport, and you do a very good job. So. It's expensive. You I glove? believe it. You use a glove? No. I know. No. Mm. Two hands, Belmo? No. No? I can if I have to, okay. but I don't. You put a little English That's my definite go-to. All I do is curve. All you do is curve. That's the, that's the secret to the sport. It's the beautifulness. If you I can, just try if to throw, you can throw a curveball with a baseball, you can throw a bowling ball. I just try to throw it as hard as I can. That's your first mistake. You grab the six-pound ball, and then you just... I've kind of left like you, 29 miles yeah, an hour but then before, you burn so. all the oil at the end, and then when you your arm's shot, you're not, and none of your ball's going to react. Mm-hmm. I mean, I only go like twice a year. That's why, so. like, yeah. when you, that's why like when you see, <laughs> like, and this is not a bad remark, but if you see like your girlfriend or your mom bowl, and they go up there, and they're just super nonchalant, and they're like, why won't it go straight? Because the oil. Because there's oil down there, and yeah. once the oil stops, your ball goes. Yeah. Cuts across. And that's why it hits pocket half the time. Mm. And thank you for watching for our the, sports yeah, science say, with John Brinkus. <laughs> <laughs> no, that was cool. That was fun. But um, Speaking of other sports happening this weekend, a lot of Ferris State sports on deck. The tennis team starting up against at the Davenport Tournament in Allendale. Um, why is it in, uh, Why is it labeled in Allendale? Davenport's in Caledonia, right? Does Davenport not have tennis? facilities or something no well it's at their it's at their big athletic complex i guess i just never thought of it addressing I mean, venues just to for hold like fans and everything due to everything going on I don't yeah know. yeah i know grand valley has like a bigger venue yeah but. yeah because it says the women are po- are going to the crayon facility which is like the mvp sports or whatever right. in caledonia but then the their actual athletic complex the farmer's insurance like that big mega deal brand that they had that's in allendale 
It's mm. apparently what the address says. Very interesting, but... Unless they have construction going on or something? I don't yeah. know. Very interesting. Gotta be some stuff That will be... Um, today, actually, they're playing right now at the time we're recording this at 10 a.m. So Go they team. are live right now. Women's volleyball. Taking a little bit of a trip down to Tyler, Texas for an invitational tournament. They will be playing over the next couple of days. Women's soccer traveling to Ashland. They will be playing tonight at 7 p.m. over there in Ashland with football also traveling with them to play them tomorrow night at 7 o'clock. And then we also have, of course, the cross-country invitational at Khaki Golf Course starting at 9.30 That's tomorrow. That's one. Make sure that you check it out. And then we also have women's soccer on the 12th at Walsh. A little bit of little bit of some trips. We all looks like we're on the road this week except for cross-country. So, And then men's golf will be have in the, Wal- uh, the Al Waltris Intercollegiate. I'm assuming it's an invitational in Bay City. Sounds like a tournament. So... If you're in the Bay City area, go check out your dogs. All I'm hearing is there should be a huge crowd at the cross-country meet because no one else is playing at home. Is what I I'm like hearing. where your mind's at, Joe. I like where your mind's at. But make sure you guys check out those sports for sure. And for any other information, FerrisStateBulldogs.com. Anyway, moving into the NFL, Clark first kickoff of the season was underway last night on Thursday Night Football. And boys, what a way to start out the 2021 campaign with an absolute thriller with the Bucks beating the Cowboys. Austin, initial thoughts? So I initially thought that the game was a lot more close than I anticipated. I first thinking that I've just thought the Bucks are going to come out light shooting, not missing a beat from the Super Bowl and you saw some very just vulnerability on the Bucks that you don't see normally from a Tom Brady led team and then you finally saw Dak Prescott's healthy hip healthy knee, healthy everything and the dude didn't skip a beat hitting his receivers. His receivers let him down half the time. I mean, mm-hmm. I think C.D. Lamb had, what, like eight, nine drops? Yeah. that From, like, the start, he I think he went, like, three for four around. But, like, every time he tossed it to C.D. Lamb, it was just, like, through his hands, bobbled, dropped. There's a lot of times where he should have caught should have caught the ball. It wasn't hard, but then it just kind of, like, really just fell out of the breadbasket. Like, yeah, and he got his hands on every single ball, but, like, right through them, right through off of his fingertips, something. And then he just gave up. Like, he didn't even try to continue catching it. He's just like, eh, oh, well, I lost it. And then, like, I think else. one of them, he popped it up to a defender, and they start running backwards with it. <laughs> so, I don't know. I thought it was a I thought it was a very close, knit-tight game. And um, just the fact that Brady let a fourth quarter come back, I mean, it's Brady. You can't give... What, a minute, 24 seconds with Tom Brady to go? Too much time. Poetic Way justice. too much time. That was my first initial thought when they kicked that field goal was 124 left on the clock. That's an eternity to Tom Brady. Or in this case, you could also throw out Matty Stafford as well. You could probably... those. That's okay. a whole game for if Matthew play, Stafford at that point. Yeah, I would say if there was any quarterbacks in the league that you would trust with a minute 24, near the... If not at the top of the list, I think you have to put Tom up there. You'd oh, probably yeah. throw Rodgers, Mahomes. I was going to say. I would put Stafford in that I list because say he qualifies. Three, probably Stafford, Rodgers, and Brady. Mm-hmm. And then Mahomes maybe, but we haven't really been able to see too much of a comeback from him. Yeah, they're usually up by 20 in the fourth quarter anyway. Yes, we yeah. haven't seen total of that. 
so far. But yeah, I think it was a, it was still a great game. I mean, I think the biggest thing that I think surprised a lot of people was how well Dallas played overall, especially defensively, because Absolutely. that team was what top five worst defense last season and forcing multiple turnovers on the Buccaneers. Two interceptions against Tom Brady. Well. One, two of the, or the second one was the Hail Mary at the end of the first half. So you could kind of, is that a real turnover anyway? But I mean, then you got the fumble on Ronald Jones, which I'll have a beef with here in a minute. But still, I mean, you got to give credit to Dan Quinn for getting this defense ready because they really made Tampa Bay, I wouldn't say like earn it because obviously they did, but they definitely had to work for it because Dallas was a they definitely gave them an looking opening at the season night game before. that was not a pushover game. Yes. Yeah. It was, I think it surpri- yeah, surprised a lot of people for like how well they were able to stick into it and then how much they kind of controlled the game for a little bit. Yeah, I think you have to make the argument that like Dallas played better than I think I think everybody anticipated going into this. I mean, obviously you have the homers that were like, yeah, Dallas is going to win. And then you're like, what are you talking about? And then you were like, oh, snap. They're actually kicking a field goal to take the lead with a minute 24 left. I know it's Brady, but... There's at least a slight chance. I mean, it's still 99.9, but at least there's some point zero one there that you could make the argument for. But, I mean, still, I mean, after, I mean, originally, after the touchdown, you you end up getting the Brady to Gronk that took the one-score lead early on. And then I I think Zerline missed his first field goal um, after the, or, yeah, he missed the field goal. And then... They ended up forcing a turnover. They punched it out from Ronald Jones, and then they go down and score the touchdown. Ken Sirline misses an extra point, and then they go and then they rip away the interception on the pass to Fournette. So then you have two straight turnovers and resulting in points. And now they're leading after being down seven. They're up two, going pretty much into the half. And then obviously Brady passes to Brown to set the tone back up. But I, I mean, think Sirline wound up leaving seven points, which is equivalent to a touchdown. Just by missing his kicks, I think he missed two kicks and an extra point, which would have potentially won him the game, if not lost by one, maybe? No? Because what was the ending score? 29-31. Yeah, so that would have won them the the game. game. They would have been up. They Mm -hmm. wouldn't have had to deal with it. And I think another thing that we kind of don't realize is how, like, healthy their offensive line is now. Mm -hmm. They have both their starting tackles back, and... Yeah, Zach Martin was out, but you wouldn't have noticed Zach Martin was out watching that game last night with that offensive line. No. I mean, Zeke didn't do him justice. Yeah. Let's be real. Right. But it was also his first game. He didn't play any preseason. Mm-hmm. And da- Tampa Bay's linebackers are just, I mean, Devin White flies to the ball. Then you got a veteran then, Levante David. Yeah, exactly. So. I don't really knock on Zeke for not doing a whole lot, especially when the passing game was there, and they definitely have turned into a pass-heavy offense under Mike McCarthy. Yeah. Yeah, I think you're starting to see a little bit of, I wouldn't say the full, but you're definitely seeing the slight Green Bay-esque of what it's kind of changing into because, I mean, Green Bay was a pretty pass-heavy team with their their run with Rodgers, Nelson, Donald Driver, Greg Jennings, and that crew. Yeah. And, I mean, even going back to the, the Brett Favre days for a slight bit there as well. But I think, yeah, I am I was surprised Zeke didn't get a ton of yards. But, I mean, then again, it is. You were just mentioned Austin, his first, really his first action back in over a year. So that is kind of understandable. And, but And looking at him this year from what he looked like last year, the dude 
slimmed down. Mm-hmm. Like yeah, he didn't look as it, big. It's no. about time the dude slimmed down, and he looks so more like. Yeah, he didn't get a lot of yards, but he looks more fluid. He looks more like he can bob and weave through people like he did his rookie year. Mm-hmm. A lot more agile. Yes, thank you. Yeah, I think you're going to see a little bit. Like, we saw a lot between the tackles stuff, but, I mean, I'd be interested to see what they get him on, if they get him on outside zones and stuff like that that he used to run at Ohio State when he was that lethal. Because, I mean, he was unstoppable as a Buckeye in those kind, in that scheme with Urban Meyer. So uh-huh. I think that'll be something interesting to move forward. But I would say on the other side of the ball for uh, in the run game, I mean, Leonard Fournette was okay. And, I mean, for the Buccaneers, we're going to see a different style of play every week because they're going to go off their defense. They're yep. going to go off who they're playing and what they have to go to their weaknesses and stay away from the strong side. Mm-hmm. And uh, what other guy would you have in the league to just – give the reins and say, hey, go with the flow of the game than a guy that's won seven Super Bowl rings. So I think that's not going to be like... I mean, Fournette had nine carries, 32 yards. Ronald Jones, to me, is still not a viable... I wouldn't I wouldn't say, like, he's not a viable option in the offense as of now. And I honestly think, like, after watching this game, seeing Giovanni Bernard get touches, I don't know if he's going to really have a spot going forward on this team. And I don't know what necessarily that's got to mean moving forward, if that means waving him, if that means trading him. But I just want them to give the reins to Fournette because he's the better back. Both I He had more, like... You well, just, he's the better pass catcher, too. Yeah, he's the better pass catcher of the two. And you have Giovanni Bernard, and he's by far with him back in his prime. Well, I mean, not saying he will get back into his prime, but if he turns back into old Leonard Fournette, I mean, he's one of the most unstoppable between the tackle runners we've ever seen. Yeah. What is there left for Ronald Jones to do besides having blocking assignments, which really I, Fournette does? Yeah, and I wouldn't be surprised if you see him towards the end when you get the trade blocks or even Baltimore losing all their running backs. I mean, yeah, they're trying to sign Le'Veon Bell and Deontay Freeman, and they worked out girly, but all three of them don't have a drop for a reason. Le'Veon Bell and you can, will sign with Baltimore, as of my sources. Well, he already did for right. a year. Yeah. So... But then you also got to think of when when he did what he signed with the Chiefs. He had to play football for a whole year. Did they even use him? No, not really. Barely. And it was after um, was it Ch was out or was it um, uh, Daryl Williams was I out? I think it was Daryl Williams, and then they they got Ch in the draft. Mm-hmm. So I think it'll be very interesting, especially with that aspect, because I feel like Ronald Jones they're gonna try and use to get some trade bait for him. And especially with their cornerback issue last night, mm-hmm. I wouldn't be surprised to see if they have a trade come off with, hey, you get Ronald Jones, give me a cornerback because... We need one. We need one badly. For sure. Yeah, I mean... that that That's their biggest weakness on that defense. Yeah, was the injury last night. It has to be. I mean, I don't know where else you would go as far as the... I mean... You had um, was it Dean was in there last night? I mean, he had a lot of a lot of holes. Sl- I wouldn't I wouldn't call them like there was there were some sloppy mistakes, some bad holds that you have to get away from. Because I mean, yeah, I know everybody holds on every play, but the fact that you're grabbing Godwin's face mask on a turnaround curl route that you can't do that stuff, and that stuff's sloppy, and that's not what we normally see from this Bucks defense. So I don't know is he the option going forward? I don't know. And that's the biggest part of it is, I mean, you need to make sure that you got somebody covering Sean Murphy Bunting's spot and that you have the ability to 
locked down on the outside because if you have a stud front seven like these guys do, and boy, is it one of the best in the NFL, the only other ways is you're going to see teams like Dak Prescott did last night with some of those guys, quick outs. Put put your receiving core against their corners and say, hey, what's up? And what are you, you going to do? And you can see how Omari Cooper lit them up on those little zigs on the outside, yep. those little posts. I mean, they ran, I think, what? Half their plays of the post or the zig just yep. so that, oh, you're open 15 yards. Catch the ball. Let's continue. Yep. Oh, catch the ball. Let's continue. Yep. And then you get down to the end zone. You're not stopping Amari Cooper. I'm sorry. The mm-hmm. dude is like one of the best route runners in the NFL and can get away with that separation. All he needs is a yard and the dude can extend or dive and he knows how to get his feet inbound. I mean. Not biased or anything. I have in my fantasy. So I mean, same, <laughs> yeah. same here. Same I might here. have him in one of my leagues as well. But um, yeah, thirteen catches, one hundred thirty-nine yards, two touchdowns. Absolutely stud performance. And Lamb wasn't too far behind him either. Obviously, he had only caught half his targets. But I mean, still one hundred four yards in a TD. Not too shabby for fantasy owners. I, I see you smiling over there, Joe. But um, yeah. The one thing I was interested was is Dalton Schultz the number one tight end? I have to think yes. I, I, I don't think I'm so. on the Jarwin train. Well, I was never on the Jarwin train, but I don't. Is this time to jump off the Blake Jarwin train? I again bring bringing back my fantasy team. I have Blake Jarwin <laughs> in a fantasy league because somebody decided to take two tight ends in the first round. Not going to name names. And was it me? It, no, it was one of your guests. Oh, I know you're <laughs> one talking. of our friends. Yes, I know who you're talking and, about. Uh, so. He's got a weak receiving core, but he won't trade me a tight end, yep, and I yep, need a tight end. Yep. I know, I know exactly what you're talking about. Continue. So the other top tight end, Mark Andrews, is gone off the board, mm-hmm. and Hawkinson went to you, and so I'm just like, I don't have a tight end option, so I waited, and I waited, and I waited, and I'm like, okay, 10th round, I don't have a tight end. Blake Jarwin's my best option. Yep. And I said, okay, Dallas is going to be pass-heavy. Blake Jarwin's usually in there for a passing game. And then last night, he was never in there for a passing game. Like, it was all da- Dalton Schultz. Yep. And I'm like, I'm off the Blake Jarwin train now. I, I can't. Usually the first week, you really find out who's going to be fantasy stars and fantasy busts. Mm-hmm. Whether they're good on their offense or not, you find out who they're committed to for the season who they can trust and go into the when the crunch time is. And you really saw that last night in that game. Mm-hmm. Like Brady, like Brady for example, 30 seconds in after they got a kick return, Antonio Brown's gone for a touchdown. Yep. You know he trusts him to get that ball. Gronk had two touchdowns, fantasy relevant. Mm-hmm. Mike, I think even Mike Evans was fantasy relevant, and he wasn't even hardly there in the second half. Mm-mm. But he was still fantasy relevant. Yeah, and then Godwin, Godwin, fantasy relevant. I mean, all of the Bucks receiving court was fantasy relevant. Yeah, except you go to t- Dallas side, the fantasy relevant was really only Cooper and CD Lamb. I mean, Michael Gallup had issues. Michael Gallup, I feel like, is more of a role player than Absolutely. a fantasy dependent guy. Because I mean, mm-hmm. he's he showed up big time in some games last year. I know one game, a couple. I think he had at least a couple games over a hundred yards. But he's not going to be the guy that you're like. I'm going to expect this out of him every week because you're also competing with targets with Mari Cooper and ZD Lamb. Like, yeah. how, are, how are you going to expect to get Zeke through that? Zeke at that point. Because yeah. they use Zeke in the pass game. Yep. So it's like, and then you have your tight ends. And I don't think either, I really don't think either tight end is a valuable start in fantasy. But if you had to choose one, I, I would be choosing Dalton Schultz right now. I agree. 
I mean, I had him. Yeah, I had him as a, a waiver wire pickup last year, and it turned out pretty well, I guess, for what I was expecting. But I think you have to. I think you have to consider that moving forward, because I mean, especially off the injury. I mean, maybe it's just like a get back into the swing of things, feel it out kind of a thing. But I don't know. Dalton Schultz is really looks like the guy that's the classic situation of I see the light. I see the role. I have it. I'm going to take it, and I'm going to keep it. And that's really what he's been is a really dependent pass-catching guy, and he can do a lot of different things. So, But I think on the other side is you got your tight end locked up in the Brady-Gronk connection, and that's never going away ever because that was just electric last night. Yeah, especially after the first touchdown when he did the Gronk spike because I did not think Gronk was going to go for it, but especially when they were like, I don't know, four or five yards out, and then there was kind of like Gronk who just kind of squirted off to the yeah, side. Yeah. I was like, yeah, there's no chance that he's not going to Gronk right now. Yeah, eight catches, 90 yards, two touchdowns for the guy that was quoted to retire after he retired. After he retired, you know what I'm talking about. But the fact that he's still being as efficient and playmaking as he is for being, I mean, for leaving the league and coming back, I mean, you, you know it's... It's nothing less than Brady, and that connection is just impenetrable. I don't know exactly where where else you could have went. Like, I mean, O.J. Howard was good, but never would lift up to the expectation that Gronk is right now. And no, I don't think he ever awesome. will, to be honest. I mean, it's that's a hard, hard challenge to live up to, living up to Gronk's status right now. I mean, and the man is still going. Mm-hmm. So it's not, it's not like he's... An, and like, I don't want to say Tony Gonzalez or like Shannon Sharp, but like he's not a bottom tier tight end. No, and he's thirty two. It's just like he doesn't really do a lot of the things you wouldn't expect from a thirty two year old. Like he's he's still super agile. He's still super strong, and it's just like when does Father Time catch him at this point? Because. Yeah. Everybody talks about Father Time with Brady, and it's like Gronk is still doing the same thing. Gronk can still continue to go. Like I don't see any issues. And then you see, I mean, like we talk about Drew Brees last year. When was it going to catch up? I think that it was just an injury plague season that Mm -hmm. caught him. Mm -hmm. And then you're like, well, Brady's got all that protection. When is it going to catch up to him? But Brady's and Breeze's difference, and I this is why I bring it up every time as someone brings this up, Brady knows how to get the ball away so it doesn't get hit. Yeah. Like, they were talking about it last night. He has gotten progressively faster every year that he has touched a football to get the ball out of his hands. Yeah. I think he said in his rookie year he was like, 0.37 0.37 seconds to it's get the ball out of his hand. 0.33 now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were like, the dude's gotten faster. The dude's gotten better. They Give me another option of, the, of a GOAT. I mean, you can't call Patrick Mahomes a GOAT right now. I'm sorry. No. Not in it no for legacy enough. yet. Like, I get everybody's like, like, I think the what? The new Madden cover was Big Goat, Little Goat. And yeah, I'm like, I, I mean, can see it, but he's got to. He's too gotta, early for that. He's got to win more championships. And he's got to prove that he can take the reins. Like, And I have no doubt he can take the reins. But he has a lot of competition in the rearview mirror. And mm-hmm. he will probably have to wake up and realize that real quick. Because yeah. Buffalo is on their tails. True. I like them as a sneaky pick to win the AFC this year. And that's, that's no joke. It's going to come down to them and the Chiefs. I guarantee it. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, but one thing is for sure: teams need to start stopping Rob Gronkowski. Just found this stat: Buccaneers are eight and zero 
in games where Rob Gronkowski finds the end zone at least once in his time with Tampa Bay. So hey, if you want to stop them, stop Gronk, I guess. I guess there's just some there's some lucky magic there when he gets so in the end zone. So you stop Gronk, you stop all of Tampa, right? Is Ooh. that is that what we're saying now? I mean, I don't know. Go look up the games that they lost last year. The five games they lost last year. Did Gronk score a touchdown? Nope. Ooh. I don't know. Ooh. I don't know. So, I mean... Brendan, you just might have a locked secrecy there. I don't know. you shouldn't have bad. NFL. So now this is going to get banned and you're not going to be able to be hosting it. Oops. My bad. I'm, I'm spreading secrets. But anyway, hey, great You might game. get a phone call from Brady. <laughs> yeah. He's calling my phone. I'm just going to hear the, the bat noises and I know exactly where it's coming from. But yes, a great first opening game. I mean, obviously, Tampa and Dallas did not disappoint. And I think that... If we're if this is just a a template of how the season's gonna go in the first opening night, we're gonna be in for a treat of a season coming up. Because boy, I would love to watch games like this over and over and over oh, yeah. and over again. And I think we will see a lot of that because of the just the dynamic off season we had. Um, you really saw a lot more guys come back. You saw them just get on teams that you really knew that they were gonna fill roles in. Excuse me. And, like, I don't know. I think there's going to be a lot more shootouts and push-come-to-shove games than you're going to see, oh, well, they're blowing it out. Let's change the channel to watch a different game because my fantasy team's already relevant at this point. And I don't know. I just feel – I just have that feeling from last night there's going to be a lot more push-and-grind type style games than there's going to be blowouts. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I think that that is very fair. But moving into the rest of the week one games and predictions, fellas, we're going to go through the list and name who we got and by how much. Um, I mean, we could kind of go by kind of go by the spread, but I mean, we're not gambling people here, right? <laughs> right. Right, Joe? Maybe. I mean, only in fantasy. Okay. <laughs> only in fantasy. Only fantasy. Okay, okay. No, we're not, we're not wagering. We're not dra- sponsored by DraftKings or anything like that. But um, going into the first game, Jacksonville-Houston. I mean, we got to start low and then build our way up. Jacksonville-Houston. Potential teams looking at four win seasons projected by ESPN in an opening matchup together. I guess, okay, to get them confidence or something. I don't know. But, fellas, who's winning? Jags or Texans? Joe, you start. Go Go ahead. Okay. Uh, I'm going to go Jaguars, I think, mainly just because Trevor Lawrence is there. And the Texans, I cannot name anyone other than... Yeah, I literally can't name anyone. <laughs> like, I don't know anybody on that team. Oh, um, my gosh, yeah. And Jaguars, I, I think they're looking a little bit better, especially with just Urban Meyer being there. Just a new system, new quarterback. I think it'll be a lot better situation for them. It'll probably not a – it'll be a good game to watch, but it won't be a great game if you know what I'm talking about. But, like, yeah, I got to go Jaguars for the sole reason that Trevor Lawrence is there. All by right. how many? I'll say by a touchdown. Touchdown? All right, that's fair. I think the – I think DraftKings has I, – I think it's by three. And I was going to go off of that, but I feel like Jacksonville is going to put a little bit more into them. So I'm going to say Jacksonville by 10. Okay. Jacksonville by 10. Yeah. I I really want to go contrarian here and pick Houston, but I I just absolutely can't. I don't know why. If Deshaun Watson was starting, maybe. Yes. Yeah. I think you could definitely... I would have probably picked the Texans if he would be starting because of his playmaking ability, but I just think that... The, the the Texans, when I look at their defense, I'm looking at holes everywhere. Their front seven is not very strong. Their cornerback room needs some help. Their DBs, I mean, as far as safeties are... At this point, their special teams is their best team right now. Yeah. yeah. I don't see 
how they can be. I mean, their offense might be okay. They're gonna have to out. This is gonna. They're gonna have to outplay Jacksonville rolling over their defense. Is how I'm seeing it because Jacksonville really has a lot of potential on the offensive side of the ball. Because I mean, they got some weapons, and I think the biggest thing that sticks out to me is you take James Robinson that we saw from last season and let him roll through that front seven, he's going to have 100 yards of scrimmage, mm-hmm. at least. In the first half, probably. Maybe. I mean, it's and on the other side, I can't say the same with the other room. And Jacksonville, their front seven, I think, is better than Houston's, personally. So I'm going to say that the the Jaguars are going to win. I think I'll make it... I'll make it a little different. I'll say by six because some kicker is going to hit an upright. <laughs> so I think it'll be by six points. So um, the next game we have is my screen loads very slowly. Chargers at the Washington football team. Austin, mm. you start this time. Ah, this is a toughie because you got a great offense and a great defense. But then on the other side of the ball, you got a really weak defense and the Chargers and you don't have a really proven Washington offense. I mean, you get Fitzpatrick in there, and he's always. Are we going to see Fitz Magic, or are we going to see Herbert. Fitz fall on the bench? Like, <laughs> like I don't know which one you're going to see. So it's just kind of confusing. And I'm going to have to say, the Washington football team. By three, just solely on their defense. Okay. I was going to say the same thing. I think Washington's defense is going to keep them in the game and then probably force a few turnovers, like probably a late game, I think. Because, I don't know, Chargers, like, they didn't finish super great last year. They had, like, glimpses of being good. But Washington's defense was, what, like top five last year? Something like that. And I don't think. And they only got better. Yeah. And I and now, especially with Chase Young entering his second year, he's going to be one of the leaders on the team. I don't think Chargers are going to have it too much. I'll say by seven again, mainly because I think they'll just they'll stop like a they'll stop like a like a late game charge or something like by the Chargers. Yeah, I this one's this one's tough for me too, and I really want to same song, second verse from last one. Like the Chargers have a good potential to to make uh, this a definite a close game, and I'll even I'll even argue that this game. This game ends by a one point like decider. I I I call, I'll go that far. I think I'm going to have to go with the home team in this situation, Washington. And the only reason I really I think I'm going off of it is like I like the Chargers. I don't like the Chargers on the road. And no. I've see, I've said like that's happened so many times. And just the fact of what I've said on the one score, who's better than losing one score games so far than the Chargers have and until they change that to me I'm gonna have to go with the Washington football team but I'm gonna say one point though I'm gonna say this one might have the same amplitude of what we just saw on Thursday night as well so uh, next game Seattle and Indianapolis Joe you're first that's gonna be a tough one to choose honestly I mean Indianapolis, I do like Michael Pittman. He's on my team, so hopefully they target him a lot. And they were pretty. I mean, they were all right coming into uh, coming from last season. But Seattle, I mean, you got guys like DK Metcalf and Russell Wilson who are going to be basically running the game. And Cole's defense too was solid last year. So I don't know. It's going to be definitely a hard nosed like football match. But it's going to be tough. I think I'm going to go Seahawks mainly just because of the Russell Wilson and the. Um, DK Metcalf connection 
Because I don't know. Carson Wentz, I just don't think he's going to be able to lead the Colts to, to very Dude, much. Dude, are you like reading my brain thoughts right now? Because <laughs> like, that's the exact conversation I was just about to have. Yeah, because I don't know. Carson Wentz, like I, I even said it, Carson Wentz is not what the Colts need to go to the, to the next level. And I don't know why they really got him because I don't think he's really much of a field general in the point where he can control the game. He's not going to be an Andrew Luck replacement. I'm sorry. Yeah, no, no chance. And I, I mean, we've already seen what Russell Wilson can do. And when he needs to, he can just give it to DK Metcalf, who's just going to run down the field, and he can just toss it up and he'll get it. And so I, I'd say by, f- I say fourteen. It's going to be a big mm, one. Man, Ooh, that's a big spread right that's there. That's a big. I believe that. I think the spread's at two and a half. So that's a bold. I could bold I could, call, but I stand by it. I'm going to have to – I mean, I agree with everything you said. I mean, the Russ-DK connection is unbelievable. But then you take DK Metcalf out of the situation. You got Tyler Lockett, one of the most underrated receivers of getting his feet in bounds, catching the ball when it looks like half impossible to even come down with. And then they finally have a tight end. I mean, they got Gerald Everett. They finally have a tight end that Russ can throw to, and I think he's very underrated as well. For sure. So I think you're going to see a lot more of Seattle spreading the ball and a lot more of the Colts' defense not really knowing what to do when the ball is spread around that much because I'm sorry, but you can't contain Russell Wilson and DK Metcalf and Chris Carson and Tyler Lockett. There's just no way to contain them all. I mean, look at what Dallas tried to do last night. They did very well, but they they didn't contain all of them. I mean, it's hard to contain all of those weapons. So, and then like you said, I I I've never been a Carson Wentz fan. I've never liked him. I've thought he was a bust out of that draft, and right now he kind of is because the dude's injury plagued. Yeah. I mean, he can't stay healthy, and even when he is healthy, he doesn't look like the Carson Wentz he does before his big knee injury. Like. He literally looks like a banged up Philip Rivers. And it's I don't know, that's the best comparison I even have, and that's being a nice. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so I would have to say Seattle, but I'm not gonna go by as big as a margin as fourteen. I think I'm gonna go by a touchdown by seven. Okay. Yeah. This I mean we got to find some contrarian, some yeah. action here, because I mean I I I feel like these I these three games to me seem very chalk. And I don't think, like, I mean, obviously they could go a different direction. I mean, one of them probably will, if we're being realistic. One of these games is going to go in a complete different direction. We're going to be fooled, and it's going to be fine. But the thing that gets me, like, the Colts on the offensive side of the ball, I'm not loving because of that Carson Wentz situation. Just because, I mean, I mean, we're talking about a guy that threw just as many interceptions as touchdowns last in season and and getting benched for Jalen Hurts. So I think that's definitely something to look out for. And I think the big notable thing that you can, that you can bring up with Russ is how many times in the last three years have we said Russell Wilson's the MVP through the first half of each season, at least three out of the last four seasons, you could have made that argument. I know we've been in the studio multiple times talking about this with everybody in our in our Bulldog Radio Let family. Let Russ cook. Let yeah. Russ cook. And I think that's something that you can see. And I think the Colts are... I mean, their defense is great, don't get me wrong. But I think the, the overall idea of giving the reins to Wentz, not being fully healthy yet, fully healthy, I mean, maybe you could make an argument for it, but... 
I don't simply trust that offense yet. I think it'll get there, but I think it's going to take a couple games. So I think you were going to see probably Seattle do their thing, make a probably same song fourth verse at this point now. We're going to see them roll through Indianapolis, and we're going to be talking about how they're contenders on Monday. Mm-hmm. And I think that's just how it's going to be. But I'll say I, I think this Colts defense is still just as good as they were. I'll say just a little bit over. I'll say oh, by a field goal. Yeah. Isn't it crazy to think like what would happen if Andrew Luck was still on the team? Like oh, they would, would they would be automatic contenders at this point yeah, with that defense. They, yeah. yeah, with that defense, there's Especially last no, year, question. no it's question. Insane. <laughs> or even if I mean, maybe if you get an MVP type of once that we saw from seventeen. Yeah, maybe, maybe. maybe. But I mean, Andrew, Andrew Luck, Luck brought them back. What twenty four in a playoff game? Yeah, unheard like, of. It, the dude was insane. And mm-hmm. my favorite quarterback. I mean, when I first got into fantasy football, was his rookie year. Because I was 12 years old and understood how to finally play fantasy football. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I did not take a quarterback. And everyone's like, what are you doing? And I took Andrew Luck. What a great pick. And I got him in the 10th round. Great and pick. And fantasy top five every week. And I was everybody looked at me and he was like, do you like just have some fantasy football cheat sheet or something? Good? And I'm like, are you getting reports from Schefter? Like, well, and, and I had Calvin Johnson. Oh, I mean, I had Gronk. Okay. I, everyone was like, do you do you do you really know football? And I'm like, here's your trophy. I'm like, let's just, let's no, just I got it. no. We had a belt, like a WWE style belt. Oh, that's the stuff right there. And I had it on my show. It's in my room. I'll send you a Snapchat tonight of it. It's okay. beautiful. I want to see beautiful. it. It's beautiful. I want to see it. But I will send it to you. It is gorgeous. That is, those are the, the cool things we should that you should play for in fantasy football. Play for something that means something. Have you seen like uh, the? People are like sharing like what they used to do for like the losers of the fantasy no. football team. Oh, like like shave like, your head, shave your head, retake the yeah. SAT no. or something like that. Dude, there's some of them are bad. Yeah. Some of them I would be like, I never want to be in last place. No, so I would never like, want to participate too far. in that league and even chance the risk of that because yeah. I don't want to do that. That's that's <laughs> the leagues where you take everything serious. Every yeah. trade, no auto every, draft, no, no, nobody auto drafts. But well, quick notable thing in their last eleven week one games, Colts. Lost 10 of them. Ouch. It's not look pretty on paper. But here's one that I think we might disagree with that is not so chalk because the teams are both in a little bit of what we call rebuild mode. Carolina and the Jets going to be in Carolina. Austin reigns first. I'm automatically thinking Carolina. Okay. I have to just because CMC's back. I mean, the kid. Yeah. And he does not look like an ACL tear stopped him at all. I mean, if you looked at him in pre-camp workouts, if you looked at him in the offseason, if you looked at him in the preseason, the dude looks like he never tore his ACL. He looks phenomenal, and they built that team around him. I mean, you got Sam Darnold, arguably a very underrated quarterback. I mean, the Jets did not do him justice. No. And... You have a great receiving core. I mean, you got DJ Moore. Who else do they have? Um, I know the one guy I'm thinking of on the top of my head. Robbie Anderson. Robbie Anderson, who comes back with Sam Darnold for a great connection that mm-hmm. they had in New York. Mm-hmm. But then you also have Terrence Marshall Jr., who's turning Sleeper. heads. Sleeper. And he's going to be good. I mean, just he looks like this year's DK Metcalf. I will even put that out there. I would throw that out there. My bold prediction. He looks like this year's DK Metcalf. If he stays on the field and stays healthy. That is a little tech. Joe, 
Oh, wait. What do you got by score? Oh, um, I'm going to do Carolina by 17. Wow. Specific. Okay. Joe? I don't know. I I was thinking just for a little bit, but then I forgot Christian McCaffrey's back. So, like, that's just automatic. But the one thing I do have to agree with you, everybody knows that I say Sam Darnold was a garbage can. He had to carry the trash. He was not actual garbage. And I think with him being around there, it's going to be solid, especially with kind of a system I think will work better for him a little bit. Uh, what's his name? Zach Wilson or whatever, the new quarterback for the Jets. I know he's – I liked him a little bit in preseason. I mean, he was kind of be able to lead the team. He just got named team captain, so I'm pretty sure the guys like him at least. But I don't think that's going to be enough to really compete with all of the, all the weapons that Carolina has. Zach Wilson reminds me of the quarterback that's well-liked. But not but great. not amazing on the field. Yeah, mm-hmm. he's more of a hey, I'm your buddy on and off the field, and we can be friends every here. But I'm not that good. Yeah, and he's not a guy. To, he I don't think he's a guy to call anybody out at all. Yeah, and until he can prove something and change my point of views, I think he's potentially the bust in this draft of quarterbacks. Interesting. It's possible. All right, fine. I'm sick. I'm sick of this. Uh, uh, this agreement across the table. So that we're give not me, all give agreeing. Me the Jets. I'm sick and tired <laughs> of the, the Jets. I the consensus picks here. No, I. I mean, there, there's realistic that I think the Jets could win because I think Carolina is going to figure it out. I definitely think down the road, if you're asking me which of these teams is going to give me uh, uh, the, the the better record down the road, Carolina, 100. percent But. In this game, in this circumstance, I mean, I think that there could be a chance for some... I think this will be like the game where it's like, yeah, Carolina's going to win, and then we're going to be like, oh, well, that didn't turn out the way. I think this will be a Jets win. I think that I think that the defense with Robert Sala might... We might see something like... Robert Sala's not there anymore. What? Or, what? What are you talking about? Or, never mind. Yes. No, I'm sorry. Uh, he no, came he, in and took over. Yes, I, yes. So I think he's going to make that defense in a better scheme because, I mean, that old scheme, I mean, um, under if, whatever, was it Greg Smith? Yeah, that, uh, well, that was terrible. He, he was trying to, he was rushing a front seven that did not, was not very, like, you can't do cover zero against a Hail Mary, but that's a whole different story. That defense was not very good, and they did not have a lot of talent on the field. And I think that there, there has to be an argument there that with – them having an improved defense. And if Sam Darnold plays like he used to, unfortunately, if we do think that way and turns the ball over, the Jets get a chance and Zach Wilson makes enough plays that they can squeak this one out. I think it'll be by a field goal, though, at most. But thank you, Joe, for joining us. I yep, know you got to get class. going. So we will continue, and we wish Joe the best moving forward for the rest of his day. Take and care, everybody. Got to get that out there. So um, we have the next game, Minnesota against Cincinnati, Austin. I mean, this one could be... This one could be a little interesting. It could be interesting if we see the Joe Burrow that we saw before he went down. And I say that solely because, I mean, Joe Mixon's going to be the lead back. We all know that. There's not anybody really behind him. And I think the bigger issue is can his receivers catch the ball? Because Jamar Chase had so many drops in the preseason and he's supposed to be the best receiver out of this entire draft and he looks like just nonchalant like i already got my spot like i don't need to prove anything but i'm sorry dude you're a rookie you need to prove a lot and Mm -hmm. then you got t higgins who's going to be out of the slot i mean you got tyler boyd still so i mean it'll be an interesting offensive 
battle, but then you look at Minnesota's defense and they've been taking steps back, like mm-hmm. backwards. Their offense has had to keep them in games. Mm-hmm. And I don't even need to talk about Minnesota's offense because if we see what we saw last season, it was phenomenal. I mean, Justin Jefferson came out of nowhere, really. And I think that's why so many people are high on Jamar Chase is because the LSU receivers the past few years have just chugging the NFL by storm. Mm-hmm. So I think I think I still have to go with Minnesota solely because their offense is going to overpower Cincinnati's defense every time. And I think Minnesota's defense, I can trust a little bit more to make the bigger stops than Cincinnati's cast pe- cat pass catchers, if I could speak. Yeah. So I'm going to have to say Minnesota but I'm only going to go by seven. Yeah, I think this one's going to... I think this one on paper could definitely be close just because the thing you mentioned, both defenses have been moving backwards, and there's been no real solidarity moving forward of, yeah, we're going to put emphasis on the defense, and we're going to put it... like I think with the Bengals, like, yeah, I mean, Jamar Chase was great. You could have had Sewell, sure. But, I mean, as far as later on in the draft, they didn't add a ton of defensive talent that they no. can directly I think put. the best player is Jesse Bates. Yeah, Jesse Bates is really the only guy that sticks out to me. And, I mean, you're matched on the other side with Harrison Smith, who's now one of the highest safeties, paid safeties in the league. And then you have a whole linebacker core that is very scary when they're, when they're on their game. So I think this one has to go in favor of the Vikings as well. I think I'm going to go. I think I'm actually going to go exactly with the spread of plus three. So I think they'll win by a field goal. I think they had projected, I think it was 25 22. But I, I'm, it does scare me a little bit. Minnesota on the road doesn't play the same unless it's in, um, or unless they're in Green Bay or something where they, they just seem to turn it on a little bit. But the Bengals stopping Dalvin Cook scares me where I could see. Minnesota's front seven stopping Joe Mixon more and I could I mean both pass wise I think you have pretty similar I wouldn't necessarily see similar players but I think you see a similar type of scheme where they're going to try to put speedy guys out in space and I think that's going to pretty much match itself so yeah I'm going to go with the Vikings as well I'm going to only go by three though Arizona Tennessee this one could be that's going to be a a very potential Thursday night game oh yeah down the road yeah Mm -hmm. these two teams could play if they played again but I don't know, man. This one seems kind of tough because I think that there's going to be some. This is, I think, this is one that you would not want to be like. Yeah, I'm going to put a hundred dollars on this one because I think this it one's going either way. It's going to be closer on paper than I think a lot of people realize. So, I think the consensus is with Tennessee, but it's not by much. I know Cynthia Freeland thinks Arizona is actually going to win. I think this is going to be a scenario of game control on Tennessee's side because. I think Arizona's defense is now better, and I think their defensive line does definitely improve with J.J. Watt. Is it enough, though, to slow down Tennessee's offense is my concern? Because I think Arizona is so offensive dependent that if I'm not, I'm not going to say Tennessee's defense is going to stall them more than Arizona makes mistakes themselves, which we've seen plenty of times. I mean, Detroit game. That's all I have to mention for that. So... This one's going to be tough. I'm going to go with the home team. I'm going to go with Tennessee. I think it is only going to be by, I'm going to say actually two. I'll say game winner. Calling it right now, game winner. Now you're by Joe and reading my thoughts because (laughs) I literally was going to say Tennessee by two. And I still think that because solely 
I mean, like you said, they're, they're going to pace the game. I mean, Tennessee's got Derrick Henry. He's going to pace it. And I'm sorry, but if I know the running backs in Arizona, if I'm a defensive coordinator and I know what running backs in, I already know if you're passing or throwing. I'm sorry. I already do. Yep. Chase Edmonds is going to be in there. You're most likely throwing the ball. If James Conner's in there, you're most likely running the ball. Yeah. So, if I'm a smart defensive coordinator, I already know 50-50 ball of passing or throwing. And, I mean, at the same time, yeah, Kyler Murray can break out of the pocket, but I have an offense that's almost unstoppable. And a running back who all he has to do is stiff arm you and you're not touching him. So, I think... The spread is really, really close, and I think it's a great option, and I'm going to have to agree with you, Tennessee by two. Yeah, I think that's fair. I will say the one thing. I think that Julio Jones is not going to have as dominant of an opener. I don't I think, think so either. I gonna... think that's going to come later in the season, and I really threw, do think the passing game is going through A.J. Brown. Yeah, I think I think so. And you can even throw in a little... Um... You could even throw in some other some other guys too. Who's mm-hmm. the who's the number three there? I can't remember off the top mm-hmm. of my head, but um, I'll, I'll remember it here as we're moving forward. Uh, San Francisco, <laughs> Detroit. Oh gosh, do we have to talk about this one? No, actually, it's gonna pain me. Let's just not. Like, you know, <laughs> it's gonna pain me. Um, so I think that the only thing here is to bite my pride and just say that Detroit's gonna win. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I think this one. This is hard because I don't want to pick against Detroit, but my football mind is like, I don't know if this It'll is going to work. It'll depend on what quarterback plays because, I mean, yeah, they said Garoppolo starting. That could change at the first quarter. I mean, in the preseason, they might go every other snap. Yeah, who knows? I If we really want to talk about it, what 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 do they have as a spread right now? It is eight. Eight? Or, yes, it is in eight. In favor of San Francisco, probably. Yeah. I would have to say... I'm going to go against the Lions, even though it pains me in my heart and my gut, but I'm only going to go by three. Wow. Okay. That's very interesting. I mean, I hate doing these picks because I know like it hurts every time just thinking about, yeah, do I really believe that Detroit's going to win this? No. Do I want to be like a homer and be like, absolutely. Um, Josh Reynolds was the name I was thinking yes. of. Yes. Finally, just yes. figure that out. So I told you to get around. Um, Detroit, to me, is a team that just needs time. And I think right now is not the best time to play a team like San Francisco. So I think, in like, San Francisco is hungrier than 5 o'clock students and for wing night on Thursdays. I mean, it's just a situation where... They're, they're going to be so hungry. They're going to be ready. They're going to throw every wrench at us. I don't trust that team just yet. I think you give it time. I think that I think this is going to be probably a, a touchdown to 10 points. I definitely hope it goes more towards your way, but I think I might have to play a little safer with that decision. But And I can be completely wrong, but the Lion fan in me, I have to only do by three. I yeah. have to. Now, they might keep it close. That would be pretty fun if they did, honestly. Way more fun. Uh, Pittsburgh, Buffalo. This one's going to be fun. That one's going to be good because, I mean... Pittsburgh's getting all their defenders back from injury plague season. Big Ben's got a decent offensive line. They finally have a running back. 
And they have good pass catchers who all have shined at some part of last season. The question is, though, can Pittsburgh put it all together? Mm-hmm. That's their biggest problem. Can Pittsburgh put it all together? And I say that because you have a game where sometimes Deontay Johnson's your number one receiver. Sometimes Juju Smith-Schuster is your number one receiver. And best name in all of football, Juju. Mm-hmm. And then sometimes Chase Claypool is your number one receiver. I mean, think last year he had a three-touchdown game. And now you have Najee Harris in that mix. And you have, oh, what's the Penn State tight end they took? Uh, what was that? Friermuth. Yes. And now he's added into the mix. And so it's like you attacked your offensive side of the ball in the draft. Can you put it together with that amazing defense you built? And will that defense come back, though, healthy from all those injuries? I mean, Devin Bush was lights out mm-hmm. until he got hurt. Yep. And now it's like, was well, it going to be the same Devin Bush? Is that injury plagued him? Or mm-hmm. what's going on? And I don't think Buffalo really changed a whole lot from last year. I mean, yeah, they added Emmanuel Sanders, another pass catcher. And then I just I don't know about Buffalo's running game. They have such a pass-dependent offense that... It goes through Stefan Diggs, and you never know. But I heard a lot of preseason talk about Devin Singletary really stepping up and taking the reins and fighting for his spot with behind Zach Moss. And Zach Moss, but you hear this every year between those two guys, and they Buffalo doesn't know how to tell either one of them, you guys suck. Yeah. And they keep trying to believe in one of them. And I think, honestly... Towards the end of the season, if Buffalo really wants to contend, they're going to do that Ronald Jones trade that we might have talked about. Or even sign Gurley. Really? And so, I think they're a running back away. I really do. I think they're one running back away from being a stud, stud team that competes with Kansas City or even Tampa for a Super Bowl. And so, I'm going to have to say, I'm going to do the bold prediction. I'm going to say Buffalo loses their opener. But I'm only going to go by four. Okay, good pick. I'm going with you as well. I think Steelers do pull an upset here, but I don't think it's going to deplete the Bills' season at all. I mean, I think there's too much emphasis going in this game of Buffalo being Super Bowl contenders. It's like the Bucks last year. Going into the first game, it's like, yep, they're going to roll, and we're just going to be a lot riding on the train. But hey, whoa, slow your roll, said New Orleans in week one. I think this could be a very similar scenario. I mean, that Steelers defense is going to be going to give Buffalo some fits. That 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 back four is one of the best in the NFL. I mean, especially with Minka Fitzpatrick being added there just recently. So, I think this well, one's going to be close. Front seven is insane, and mm-hmm. I know T.J. Watt just got his money. He's going to prove Come he's get worth it. that money and go against Josh Allen. Yeah, give me the Steelers by a field goal in an upset. Philadelphia, Atlanta. This, this is, is a game that I don't really like. Two terrible teams, two terrible defenses. But I think in the edge on paper, you have to give it to Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. Because solely Atlanta doesn't have an identity anymore. I mean, ever since that Super Bowl upset where they just got, oh, a tail two halves. They lost their identity that entire night, and they've never looked the same. Mm-hmm. I mean, goodbye, Julio. You brought in Calvin Ridley. Cool. 
you don't have anybody behind Kelvin Reddy. You have Kyle Pitts as your number two, and tight ends in their rookie year are never good. Mm. And it's scary. And while Kyle Pitts has the option to make that statement untrue and can be a very viable tight end, he's got to step up automatically number week, week one and be the number two target. I mean, in their running game, they don't have one. I mean, Mike Davis, yeah, but... I don't know if I trust him starting all season long. Like, yeah, he did great things in Carolina, but that was in the same role that CMC would have been in. So I don't know how well, and I would argue Carolina's offensive line is better than Atlanta's. I'm sorry. No, that's true. So I would just have to say Philadelphia just because they have better players, they have better on paper, and I think it might be a shootout game between the two offenses but with how poorly both defenses are. So I'm going to have to say Philly by seven just because it's going to be shootouts. Yeah, this this one scares me because I don't want to see the same Raheem Morris, we're going to get up and then we're going to blow it in the fourth type of team with Atlanta because their offense is fantastic. The other side of the ball is a question mark, no doubt about it. And right now... The Eagles definitely seem better on paper. It's kind of crazy, though, because it seems like everyone's favoring Atlanta, and I think that's simply because of home home field bias, mm-hmm. really. I think that's the only or reason. Or Matty Ice being good in his first game. I mean, yeah, he's always good, but... I mean, it took Tannehill a little bit of time. Yeah. So if you're going off of history, and I, I'm going to be going off of history in this situation, the Falcons don't start off well, ever. And I don't know if that's truly going to change at all. And I think with Jalen Hurts, I think that they might be able to just squeak this one out. And I'm going to say it'll be by um, uh, just a little. I'm going to say probably by three in this one. Uh, I mean, you, but I think, yeah, I think you're going to probably see a, honestly, I think a, see a big game. game from Miles Sanders. I think that could be very well what the, the difference in this game is if Mike Davis can keep up with Miles Sanders because I think both of these guys are going to pass around the same but at the the end of the day if Atlanta can contain Jalen Hurts and make him frantic a little bit Atlanta's got a true shot to win this game and I think Calvin Ridley could have a big game especially without Julio Jones there anymore into the afternoon game Cleveland Kansas City this one's going to be depends on how Cleveland plays I think true I do I think it is I don't (sighs) and my thing of it is is I was high on Jarvis Landry but now I'm falling backwards. I'm yeah. falling very far backwards on Jarvis Landry just because, I mean, when Odell's healthy, Jarvis is Jarvis is there. I mean, Jarvis is a clear cut. Give me the ball in the slot. I can run there. I can do what I need to do. But if Jarvis is the number one option, he's like quieter than quiet. Like I could catch a paper airplane better. And... Cleveland really, if what we see again from last year, I know I keep going back to this, but they really did the running back committee by, like, perfect. I mean, Kareem Hunt, pass catcher, run the ball even. Nick Chubb, pass catcher, run the ball, ground and pound. I mean, I don't love Cleveland in this game, but I don't hate them. But I still don't see them upsetting Kansas City. There's just no way. Yeah. So I'm going to have to give Kansas City the game but I'm going to do by 10. Yeah, it's hard for me to go that same direction. I think this is really hard for us to both be predicting games because we both think such similarly. So I, it's kind of hard to see um, some contrast here. But I think that here's how I could see Bob, or Cleveland winning this game. 
you ground and pound and you get through that defensive line into the secondary and you're going to have to set up lots of or you're going to have to go down the field like you're going to have to get the classic really ground and pound and take shots is really the way I could see this game turning and I would if you're Cleveland here's like the defensive back room needs to go into the archives and watch the Super Bowl from last year and say you know what that that actually worked why don't we try that sit four guys always back deep in zone coverage and give them the option to run the ball and see how much they do it. I and think that's going to be Hilaire is already banged up. Yeah. So I think that's that's a way that you could do it. So I think you could I mean am I talking myself into picking the Browns in this situation? I think you are at this point. Sure, what the heck, why not? Give me the Browns by 3. Why All not? Right. If they can sit back in coverage and make Mahomes try to beat uh, prevent cover 5 coverage all day, eh, it might be some mistakes because that Cleveland defense is good, much it's more be good. good than I think people give credit for. And they so. added a lot of big names. Yeah, don't give, don't give me like, don't let me lead on that. The Cleveland's gonna outplay Kansas City the rest of the season, though. That's not gonna happen. Green Bay, New Orleans. I mean, I already know I'm gonna go with Green Bay in this situation. I mean, I, I, even if it's on the road, Green Bay is still the better team. I like what the Saints are doing. I just don't like the idea of Jameis Winston trying to outplay Aaron Rodgers. That's simply where I'm at with that pick. I'm going to say Green Bay by 10. I'm going to go against you. Okay. Just because I want to see Green Bay lose. Fair. And I'm going to have to say the Saints, but I'm only going to give them by three. Only because, like you said, that whole Miles Sanders um, and Mike Davis thing i'm gonna have to give it to kamara out running aaron jones that's that's fair i could definitely see that going that way i think that'll be the definite thing to watch is how green bay responds to a potential alvin kamara slugfest as you would say uh denver giants this one i'm a little torn with Austin, you can go first I am as well just because the giants are a very good defensive team and they have built that team and they're they're trying so hard to make daniel jones work they are trying the absolute best that they can possibly make for daniel trying jones to, to work Gettleman's job. yeah literally <laughs> really because you add so many weapons around daniel jones you have barkley back you got kenny galladay you have Kadarius tooney that you drafted and then you still have sterling shepherd who's not a bad receiver and Evan Ingram, who's not a bad tight end. So it's like the weapons are there and your defense is there. Daniel Jones, it's your time to step up or prove that you're a bust. Mm-hmm. So, and then on the other side of the ball, Denver, I don't love their quarterback situation. I don't love their offense because outside of their best pass catcher and Gordon Sutlin and Noah Fant, there's nobody else on that other side of the ball that's really, like, standing out. And I'm sorry, but Teddy Bridgewater is not what Teddy Bridgewater, he's already proven that, in Carolina and the Jets and wherever else. And so I just don't see them doing a whole lot. And, like, Drew Locke had an amazing preseason. Do I think he's still ready? No, I think he still needs another year to groom. But I think he will be ready. 
And their defensive side of the ball is shaky at best. Like, they do really well, and then they do really bad. They do really well, they do really bad. So, I have to give the edge. Hmm. Drum roll. I have to give. I have to give the edge. I have to give the edge to them, not okay. to Denver. So I'm gonna say by three. Okay, Giants. In this one, this this just how to put in perspective how tough it is. Like the the prediction of score is actually tied. Which is pretty hilarious, wow. but and I think the spread's only three. This is a tough game on paper, and I think that when you look at both teams, you see some similarities. I think it's really like both teams have great, like they have pretty good ceilings, and that's what we're seeing right now. It's just is anybody going to push that ceiling is really the question, and I think the hard part for me is knowing how Saquon's going to play. If Saquon's going to be the old Saquon. I'm no no brainer going Giants by seven to ten at that point. That's how confident I'd feel with that offense and their defense. By the way, when it's pretty darn good last year, and I think the only reason they didn't get enough respect is because the team next to them in their division was wreaking absolute havoc in Washington. So I think you have that ability. I think that uh, I think the NFL's got Denver winning this game. I'm a little hesitant, and I think that. Denver has a good shot to win this game now with Teddy Bridgewater because I think if Drew Locke has the reins as well, I think this game goes easily on New York's side just because that defense is going to ball hawk, ball hawk, ball hawk, and that's going to be pretty easy for them to get the win. So to me, I think this Giants team is going to prove that they're better than people think, and I think you're going to see a lot of creativity on the offense, and if Saquon Barkley's healthy... They're going to easily put up 28 points. And I don't feel confident Denver could put that up easily off the top of my head. So I'm going to say the Giants by a touchdown, and they're going to get their first win of the season. And then with the AFC East matchup, Miami-New England, this one I think can go either way on paper as well. I think it's really going to come down to how are we going to see Mac Jones in the opener. That's truly what I think it's going to, what it's going to become. So I think it's going to come down to the two unproven Alabama quarterbacks. Tua's still not proven in the NFL, and that's obvious. And outside of that, they added quite a few weapons, but he's going to be without of them for Will Fuller having suspended for the first few games. And outside of that, Miami doesn't really have a lot of, like, they have a lot of pass catchers, but no big names stand out other than Gasecki. Mm-hmm. I mean,. And then their defense is shaky on and off. I mean, they lost quite a few guys. I mean, they they're talking about having one of their quarterback or cornerback duos, excuse me, wanting to leave. And it's just I don't know how well that Dolphins offense and defense is going to play. I feel like they're shaky at best and kind of dysfunctional right now. And we'll see how it goes. And last year they shocked everybody with New England. But I think this year it's going to be New England shocking them, and mm-hmm. Mac Jones is going to come out and get that pass-catching offense the ball. I think you're going to really see a good Damian Harris connection from their Alabama days, and I'm going to have to give the edge to New England just because all around they got a lot better than what they were last year from the shaky quarterback play. Yeah, I really want to go Miami here, but the fact that it's at Gillette is gonna make me sway other uh, the other way so i think that you would imagine how this game's gonna go on paper is you're gonna see new england trying to set the tone 
as far as they're going to get Harris touches between the tackles, try to get Mac Jones and play action down the field. I don't think my I don't think Miami's going to budge. So I think this game's going to start off slower than you think. But as the game progresses, we're going to see Josh McDaniels start bringing out some of that stuff that they worked on against these. Because t- I mean, you know, going into training camp, that the Patriots are going to be looking to exploit three teams almost every day in practice: Dolphins, Bills, and Jets. So because uh, you're going to play them twice a year. Well, and the so, Patriots got younger. And faster. Yes. I mean, look at the receiving core. Nikhil Harry, Nelson Aguilar, and Jacoby Myers. Yeah, that... Yeah, they're, I will give you that they're younger and faster. They're not proven yet, which no. gives me a little hesitancy, but... But then they got two big tight ends that are proven. Yeah, Belichick's made it work with less, it seems like, at times. So, I think this one's gonna... I think this one, honestly... Frankly, I think it's going to be both teams are going to be under 20 points. I think, honestly, it might be that sort of a... Like a 17-14 style Yeah, I think it's going to be classic that way because I don't see... I don't see Miami is not going to score on New England that much. New England's not going to score on Miami that much. Both defenses are pretty good. So I think this one's going to be the Patriots edging out at home, and we're going to be talking about Mac Jones on Monday as NFL Rookie of the Year. Not a bold take, but... I mean, that's not that bold of a take. I no. mean, a lot of people I think have seen that coming just because when the Patriots took him, but also at the same time, a lot of the other quarterbacks are kind of like, okay, like we know you guys can get there. Mac Jones is the bigger feel good story of, Hey, I was a 16th pick. I didn't go number one overall, but I'm better than you guys. Yeah, I agree with the Sunday night game, Chicago against the Rams, Eight twenty Sunday night football, NBC boy, this is going to be fun. The edge right now is put to the Rams. I think it's for good reason. I think that they're definitely the favorites in this game. And I don't see reason why not to pick them in this situation. I mean, it's I agree with you. It, it's hard for me to look at Chicago with Andy Dalton under center and say, yeah, they'll beat Stafford in the Rams defense. If it was Justin what? Fields, I'd be talking about a little different story. I think you would agree with that. So I think this really will be... I think, honestly, this might be a game... We might see Dalton struggle, and we might see Fields play in the second half. I would really like that just because I am a Justin Fields fan, and I really wanted Detroit to take him over Swell, and I just felt like it was that would be the best option. I mean, not a lot of quarterbacks are coming next year, and I just felt like Fields would have been the perfect fit in Detroit, mm-hmm. especially because that's where he wanted to go. I mean, let's be realistic. He wanted to be in Detroit. Mm-hmm. And... um. <laughs> Andy Dalton, never been a fan. Nah. Never will be. 6-17 and 17 in primetime games um, overall. He's not a guy that you would even call a Tier 2 quarterback. I mean, not even a Tier 3. I just don't trust him. I don't trust his playmaking abilities. And quite frankly, I don't trust him against the Rams' defense whatsoever. No. Because Aaron Donald's going to have his number. And Jalen Ramsey is going to be, I guarantee, shadowing Allen Robinson all night. Yep. So, goodbye to your number one target. And your run game is pretty weak at best. So, and then on the other side of the ball, I didn't want to mention this, but I'm a huge Stafford fan. Yeah. And Stafford has arguably the best wide receivers he's ever played with. Yeah. I would agree. I think this is a show-out game for Stafford and the defense, and I think they're going to... This is a game where they prove 
that they're Super Bowl contenders. Yep. And right now, Chicago's got a lot of work to do for them to win this game. I think Absolutely. the Rams will win by 10, and they're going to move forward. Going to the Monday night game, the last game here to preview, Baltimore, Las Vegas. And this one got a lot tougher of all the Baltimore injuries that we've heard all week. Yep. Three running backs go down with ACL tears. Yep. Justice Hill. And then one you of the lose ones I was your number one cornerback to an ACL tear. Yeah, Marcus Peters is going to hurt. I mean, the fact that you lose all, uh, I mean, it just boggles my mind. What you, are you doing in practice that you lose all of them to ACL tears? Uh-huh. What are you doing in practice? Mm-hmm. That's my biggest question. Are you making them do all these cut jukes? Are you making them do over, like, overworking them? Like, what are you doing that four players have the same injury during practice? Mm-hmm. What are you guys doing? Are they not healthy enough? Are they, like, overstepping their boundaries? What is the issue? And that's my problem. But I still don't think it gives the Raiders the edge over them. I don't. Really? I don't. Wow. Boldly because I think they have the depth in the cornerback position to cover Jalen Ramsey, or not Jalen Ramsey, Marcus Peters, excuse me. We were talking about Jalen Ramsey so high, it broke my mind for a minute. Yep. Um, I think they have enough to cover him and save him, but not for the full season. And I mm-hmm. only say that because the Raiders receiving core runs through Darren Waller. Mm-hmm. And, but if you put Darren Waller on the outside, none of their cornerbacks in Baltimore are going to cover him because he's so freaking huge and he's fast. He runs like a receiver. But then you got Brian Edwards and Henry Ruggs that are unproven, and I'm like, where are you going to throw them? And then the running back committee, I don't even know what's going on there because Jay, Josh Jacobs, it feels like, is going to be the ground-a-pound guy, and Kenyon Drake's just going to come in for pass catching. So mm-hmm. it's going to... I think they're trying to play what Arizona did last year, and it'll be interesting. But I still think Baltimore's offense, I will take that against the Raiders' defense every week. Yeah, honestly, the Raiders' running back room looks flipped like we're seeing with Arizona. It's literally the same, but you just flip the first and second guys around. That's really the only difference to my mind that it looks yeah. like. So this one, this one is tough for me because like the Raiders are have gotten like they've definitely gotten better. I mean. I think, like, obviously you could, like, eh, you have the Trayvon Morig leatherwood flop situation in the draft, and you kind of sway away from that. And they're both going to start in this game, no question. And I think with you adding, like, you adding Casey Hayward is a good add. I think KJ Wright is a good add as well. Denzel Perryman, not a huge fan of, so I don't know how that's going to work. They did add Yannick Ngakwe, so that front, that front four is going to probably cause a little bit of trouble. But then again, the problem for me is that's the front four. With Lamar Jackson now getting full reins and carries, where's the one place he's not going to run? Between the tackles. That front four. So now you're talking, he's going to be put up against guys like Corey Littleton, KJ Wright, Denzel Perryman. But we, and, and one of them's got to shadow Mark Andrews. I'm sorry. One yeah. of them has to. Otherwise, Mark Andrews is going to destroy that defense. Yep. So now you're getting on the same train I am, and that is also why we pick the same Usually. every time. Usually. Ravens win by seven, and I don't know if this is going to be... I mean, I could see the Raiders winning this game. I can make a thousand reasons why the Raiders could win this game. I could make a thousand reasons why the Ravens win this game. 
I think what it just comes down to is, for me, the Raiders have consistency concerns, and they they just sometimes don't execute in games, and we've saw that. I mean, should have lost to the Jets last year. Yep. And I I mean, and then they beat the Chiefs. How do you go from that to that? That's the question marks that I have. And I think right now, they're just not proven enough to me to beat a Ravens team at this point of time. Even when they're so beat up. I, it's hard for me because I think with the, with the Ravens, you we just talked about that running back room being banged up. Yeah, I get it. But we've seen Lamar. They're going to run a read option on the spread every time. And it doesn't matter who's in the backfield because that's who they've got lined up. Justice Hill was going to do that. Gus Edwards is going to do that. They, they bring in Le'Veon Bell. Yeah, might change it a little bit. But, I mean, um, you're still going to have, like, Trayvon Williams, I think, is is going to be, is he the starter this week? I think so. I think he has to be at this point. I think you have to. Le'Veon's not going to have enough in that offense to understand it yet. No. So I think that that's going to be enough to get by the Raiders. And I don't trust the Raiders' offense against that Ravens' defense. I'm a huge believer in that Ravens' defense. They've been consistent year after year. Their rush defense has always been top 10. Harbaugh's always got that defense. Locked in. Locked in. And the special time. teams is always pretty good, too. Oh, so. yeah. Even though you you don't even know. Like, I mean, they're special. And Jimmy Ward isn't. That kid's going to be good. Mm-hmm. So, to me, the Raiders need to prove more for me to pick them, especially on a game like Monday Night Football, and I think the Ravens are going to spoil their opener. But that's our picks. Make sure you check us out at the MVSP on Twitter and Instagram. Austin, thank you for joining us. It's Absolutely. been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. So make sure you tune in next week for more interviews, live coverage, and more. Until next time, we will see you later.